Welcome to Sex Ed with DB. I'm your host, Danielle Bezalow. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the podcast. If you love and support the work that we do, join my crew on Patreon to win amazing prizes like our adorable merch, exclusive behind-the-scenes content, private sessions with yours truly, and incredible sex toys. Go to patreon.com slash sexedwithdb to join my crew. Get discounts at all of my favorite brands at sexedwithdb.com. And follow us on Instagram at sexedwithdbpodcast and on TikTok at sexedwithdb. If you want to partner with us, email us at sexedwithdb at gmail.com. Here are my top three favorite things I love about Uberlube. Number one, Uberlube makes sex feel a lot more pleasurable. It's as simple yet as powerful as that. Number two, Uberlube is recommended by leading doctors, and its body-friendly ingredient list is widely used by people with sensitivities to lubricants. And number three, Uberlube will not stain clothing or bedding. Any spills can be easily cleaned with detergent and water. Get your bottle of Uberlube now with code SEXEDWITHDB for 15% off at uberlube.com. What do I love about my Freya? The incredible razor and clitoral vibrator in one discreet product? Let me count the ways. I love that when I'm already in the shower getting clean, it's super easy for me to grab my Freya and give myself some serious lovin'. I love that I don't need to get out of bed, clean my toy, and get out of the mood. As soon as the mood strikes, my Freya is right there to play with. And I love the smooth, clean shave it gives. Use code SEXEDWITHDB to get 20% off your Freya. And for a limited time, enter to buy one Freya, get one for your bestie for free. Enter to win at highfreya.com slash sexedwithdb now. We talk a lot about sex ed, but when we're shopping for products to support our sexual wellness, exploration, and expression, we head to the experts at Lion's Den. For 50 plus years, Lion's Den has been a leader in adult products. Whether you want to explore a new kink or add a little romance to your evening, Lion's Den has something for all. Each location is brightly lit and staffed with the very best experts in pleasure, passion, and romance so you can feel comfortable and confident in your purchases. Lion's Den is offering our listeners 15% off your purchase in-store and online using code SEXEDWITHDB at lionsden.com. When you think about the words pleasure and power, what comes to mind? If you're a fan, you know my answer will always be the magic wand. As the world's first ever and best-selling massage wand, the magic wand's familiar shape and legendary power have made magic wand a cultural icon. Revered by millions, it transcends planes of culture and gender. Its impact is so great that Time Magazine included it on its list of the most influential gadgets of all time. Want to get in on the fun? Go to sexedwithdb.com slash magic wand to learn more and see how you could win your very own magic wand. So you're ready to experiment with anal play, but you're not sure where to start. If I were you, I'd start with education and products by a company founded by a doctor who's an expert on anal sex. I'm talking about Future Method. Future Method develops science-backed products and doctor-led education to maximize pleasure, eliminate injury, and empower the way people choose to play in the bedroom. They even have a blog that puts education at the forefront on topics both popular and taboo. Use code SEXEDWITHDB for 15% off at futuremethod.com. Good morning, Logan. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great. Excited to be here with you. Absolutely thrilled to have you. Um, I heard about you through a friend of mine who uh, a couple months ago was going on a date 
And they went to a really famous bookstore in Portland. And (laughs) my friend said that her date picked out your book and was like, oh, my like date really heard about this really like up and like famous author, Logan Murray, (laughs) and like how how to not die alone, like this really amazing book. And I was a little overwhelmed because it was like our second date, but I was like, oh, this is interesting. And that's the first time a couple months ago that I really had heard about you. And so I'm really excited to get to talk to you a little bit more about everything you're doing. Oh, I love that. And that's a great story. Happy that people are going on early dates to bookstores. And maybe you're talking about Powell's in I think Portland. so. I think, and I think that's in Portland. And yeah, just very excited that you invited me and happy to be here. Amazing. Amazing. Well, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself um, to people who don't have friends whose dates found your book <laughs> at Powell's uh, and just Fair tell us enough. about your work. Sure. Yeah. So I'm Logan. I work in the space of dating and relationships that takes a few different forms. So I work at Hinge as the director of relationship science, where I conduct a lot of research, where I speak to the press about dating trends. It's really fun. I basically get paid to spend time with cool people and think about what's going on in dating and what will come and how to help people find love. I also wrote that book that you talked about, How to Not Die Alone. So I enjoy writing. I have a weekly newsletter. That's one way that I get out information to people. And then I also work with people one-on-one through dating coaching. So that's a really nice way just to keep up to date with what's happening in dating right now. How are people feeling during the pandemic, summer after the pandemic, post-pandemic, all these different moments? What's the vibe? And then I also teach courses that in a larger group setting help people have accountability. They learn in small groups, they learn in big groups and really help them say like, hey, dating is something I want to really focus on. And it's a way for them to do it together. You're very busy, it seems. You're doing (laughs) a lot at once. Are you someone who like really loves, I mean, obviously if you're doing work that you're really passionate about, maybe some of it sometimes doesn't feel as much like work or maybe it all feels like work. What do you think about that? Yeah, I definitely work a lot, but I think what's nice is that I'm somebody who craves novelty and I like switching contexts and I get to do that a lot. So, you know, I might be in a hinge meeting where we're talking about something really practical and operational. And then an hour later, I might be coaching somebody and talking about their breakup. And then I might be doing sales emails for my class. So I think there's enough variety that it keeps it really interesting and uses different parts of my brain. And then, of course, I love this topic and I'm really interested in different phases of dating and relationships. So it's really nice that the focus point for all of those different things is dating. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine like you were one of those people like in high school who was like president of this club and you were like, you know, (laughs) off doing sports here and like kind of just like everywhere all at once um, based on you just being able to juggle so many different things and enjoying doing that. Yes, definitely very into clubs. Um, I don't think I've ever played a sport or I played it probably very poorly in like okay. PE, but yeah, definitely kind of a, you know, different clubs type person, very into activities. Yeah. I really what? like staying busy and I feel like it's really fun when you have a lot of different projects and different colleagues and different balls in the air. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm very similar. So I nice. think I'm, I, I'm interested to hear more. Um, talk to me about what your sex ed was like growing up and, you know, where you're from, what your school sex ed was like or your sex ed with your family and how that led you to be this like dating, you know, expert. 
Yeah. So I don't think I had very memorable sex ed. I'm from South Florida. I think in sixth grade, we had FLE, like family life education, I think it was called. And it was taught by this like much older woman. And I just remember getting assignments, you know, I have to research hepatitis C. I have to research chlamydia. And people would like run around with their index cards being like, I have chlamydia. (laughs) We thought that was very funny, but Uh nothing too memorable. And then I think in high school, as like part of PE or like half the year, we took some sort of health class, but this is like public school in South Florida, nothing to write home about. So I generally feel like I got very minimal sex ed or nothing too memorable. Yeah. Uh-huh. That sounds just about right. Uh, and when it comes to your family or like what you were talking about at home, do you have siblings? Like were your parents kind of, or your, you know, folks who were raising you like really interested in having any sort of conversation around that? Yeah. I feel like my mom maybe showed me a book like where babies come from or something like that. And my parents are not prude at all, but it wasn't really a big topic of conversation or, you know, one of those like hippie families where like we talked about vulvas at the dinner table, like certainly not like that. I think probably just like typical boomer parents where they were like, I guess you'll learn in school or you know, I think I talked to my mom about birth control, but honestly, no sex ed critical moments in my life. Okay. And then how, how do you feel then that you got so passionate about, you know, dating and love? And I'm wondering if that was like, you found love in behavioral science first and then kind of found a path or talk to me about that. Yeah. So it's interesting. Like, I feel like what you do and what I do overlap, but are pretty different. So I feel like that, you know, I'm not a sex expert at all. And that, um, you know, I love the idea of re-educating people with better sex ed, but surprisingly, or maybe not surprisingly, sex doesn't come up in my work that often. Maybe it'll come up when I'm working with a coaching client and they're like, oh, I love this guy. He's great, but the sex is off. And what can I do? And we'll talk about techniques, but we don't necessarily go like too into the weeds on that. It would be more like, have you talked to him? What are the resources? Has he, you know, said he's had ED in the past, something like that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, actually I would say like sex is not a huge part of the work that I do, even though of course it's a big part of relationships in general. Um, My story is, yeah, I've been really interested in the topic for a long time. I just think it's so interesting that we like, you know, supposedly or maybe traditionally find someone and are expected to be with them for life. And I've really enjoyed learning more about that and kind of taking the myth of happily ever after and really thinking about what's the truth there. And so generally, I'm just really interested in our narratives around dating relationships, our baggage around marriage, and really breaking that down and helping people. And that's where the behavioral science piece comes in. So my background is in psychology and behavioral science. Behavioral science is the study of why we make decisions. So really thinking about, okay, um, if economics assumes that you're rational and you'll always make the best choice for yourself and psychology says, wow, you're, you're making a lot of surprising choices, behavioral science kind of combines the two and says, people are making these irrational choices, but here are the reasons. And I really enjoy applying that to dating because so much of dating is irrational and it helps you understand, oh, I keep chasing after the fuck boy, but here's the reason why. 
And I have this pattern around this and here's how I can break it. So it's bringing awareness to the decisions that you're making and using that awareness and some new tools to make different decisions. I really like that. I love this idea of kind of like really thinking more deeply about, you know, maybe, maybe like admitting the fact that like you will make some of these decisions just because we're wired this way or because of Mm -hmm. our culture, because of the messages that we're getting. Um, In your book, you have a section about, you know, like the Disney kind of like fantasy, right? And I think like from a, a very young age, especially when we're talking about like cis straight women, right? We're given these messages of, oh, like I'm going to just find someone and they're going to fall in my lap and then we're going to live happily ever after. And uh, we're going to talk about a, a quote that I really love of yours um, a little bit later on, but I just really appreciate that idea that like there's this recognition that we're maybe not rational actors and that's okay. And like, how do we kind of just like recognize that and make better decisions based on knowing that? Yeah, exactly. Very well summarized. Uh, Into it. Okay. So you mentioned this, right? You're the director of relationship science at the dating app Hinge. Very cool. I hope you get a lot of uh, credit from your friends and family. I hope they think that that's fucking sick because it is a very cool title and I imagine you do very cool things. Uh, But I'm just curious, you know, what does this entail in the day-to-day? What are some of the most like fun and surprising parts of the job? You mentioned you talk to press about the trends in dating. Like what, what maybe comes up for you around that? Yeah. So the job has been awesome. I started in early March, 2020. So I I live in the Bay Area, but I flew to New York where Hinge is located. And then I was in the office for about a week getting to meet everyone. And then the world sort of shut down and I was like, I need to get a flight out of here. So I Mm -hmm. think I flew home like on a Tuesday and then San Francisco shut down like a few days later. So what's been really interesting – yeah, what's been really interesting about that is I've basically had a chance to – really track what's been happening in dating specifically during the pandemic for the last three years. And so just really watching all of those trends, like tons of usage of the app during the pandemic, um, what happened when the vaccine came out, what happened when people, you know, had some app burnout and things like that. And so one cool thing is just consistently running surveys and doing interviews and just seeing what's going on in dating during this really extraordinary time, hopefully, you know, once in a lifetime time. So that's part of it. And then a cool part of my job is that I work on something that we call data stories. So basically, I and my colleagues think about a trend that's happening or something that we're seeing. So for example, a friend of mine was talking about dating a new guy and how she really liked him, but there were just some questions that she had or things that she felt like were not going great. And she really wished that he would go to therapy, but that was just something that he wasn't open to. And then I started Mm. seeing that more and more where people are like, send me the receipts from your therapist. And so then we did a big research project into how people are perceiving therapy. And what we found was that in previous generations or even like five to 10 years ago, if you said you went to therapy, that might be a red flag for people like, oh, what's wrong with you? Or why are you sharing that? And now it's considered a huge green flag. And so we got really interesting results around how people would much rather date someone who's in therapy. You're more likely to go on a second date with someone if they mentioned on the first date that they go to therapy. And so we were able to identify the trend, do some really cool research globally, and then come out with this 
report that basically said like, here's what's going on in terms of mental health. Here's what people are looking for. Here's why it's a positive. Here are some tips on either seeking out therapy or talking about therapy. And then it even had an impact on the Hinge product itself because now we have what we call self-care prompts. And these are things like my therapist would tell you dot, 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 or, um, you know, one boundary I'm working on, dot, dot, dot. And so it's a chance for people to take some of that mental health work that they've been doing or the fact that it's a priority to them and actually put it in their profile for other people to react to. This is so cool. I could hear you talk about this for hours. I mean, yeah, I think like, first of all, like, you know, disclaimer, I think my audience like already knows this. I've been partnered in a monogamous relationship for six and a half years. However, before that, I definitely was on the apps. Hinge was one of them. And I feel like as a user, if I saw that, I would have been so excited and so thrilled that a dating app had been kind of encouraging people to talk about therapy or to kind of like break the ice around that because it's the fact that you have data and research behind the fact that people want that makes I'm sure it's so much more easy to sell to the product team, you know, like, hey, like people are interested in this. We need to be talking about it, right? Yeah, it's been great. And also it's just another subtle way to show what you're about. So if somebody were to look at your profile and see that you talked about boundaries or what your therapist would say and they're turned off by that, great. Now you know that that person's not a good match for you, right? And so we at Hinge, we talk a lot about turning the right people on and the wrong people off, meaning like if you're both looking for a non-monogamous relationship and something casual, then how can you give that off on your profile so that somebody will know it and pick that up? And if you're looking for different things, how can that also be obvious so that you don't waste each other's time? You know, we talk a lot about dating efficiency and valuing people's time. And so I like that with the self-care prompts, you can really signal like, hey, personal growth, self-awareness, therapy, mental health. These are things I care about and I care about enough to choose these prompts. And if you're also into that, that's probably a good sign. Absolutely. Yeah. One little, I mean, it's not little for them or for me. One side note I'll say is that I have two friends, Lisa and Dan, and they were each other's first hinge date. And years later they got married and it's really fun to, to hear friends who meet on the apps, who feel like their profile's connected and they are really excited to meet each other in person. And then they ended up being each other's person. So if you ever need uh, Lisa and Dan to come on by and talk <laughs> about their relationship and how they met on Hinge, I'll hook you up. That's uh, great. Yeah. I love the success stories. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, all right. Let's transition to your book, uh, How to Not Die Alone. So it covers dating A through Z and helps readers overcome bad dating habits using tools and lessons from behavioral science. And I specifically want to kind of ask you about this quote that I kind of was foreshadowing earlier, which is great relationships are built, not discovered. And as you know, someone in a monogamous relationship for six and a half years, I really resonate with this. I think there's a lot of misconceptions about the way in which people find relationships, stay in relationships, and keep them healthy and uh, alive. And I wonder if you can just tease this out for me a little bit and share more about this philosophy. 
Sure. Yeah. So as you said, the book really takes people through different stages of dating. So it starts with, all right, you're single. What's going on for you? And there's a quiz, which people can take on my website, loganyuri.com slash quiz that helps you understand your dating tendencies and the things that are holding you back. Then it goes through lots of different things like um, your dating app profile, navigating the first date, getting to the define the relationship moment. Should we move in together? Should we get married? It really has that whole slew of steps. And obviously, you know, like a lot of people are great at the beginning and they go on a lot of first dates, but they're not getting second dates or third dates or getting into relationships. And so how can you really be more consistent and get to where you want to go? In terms of that quote, it's something that I think about a lot because I feel like one of the negative myths that people are really impacted by is this idea of, you know, I'll know it when I see it, or if this is my soulmate, then it will be easy. If you have to put this much work in at the beginning, then it's not the right person. I think there's a lot of stigma around having crucial conversations or things being hard with the idea there being, if it's easy, then it's right. And so why I wrote that line is that I really want people to feel empowered. Like I can make a great relationship with many people and I can write different love stories with many people. And you don't have to feel like, oh, I haven't found the perfect person yet. And that's why I don't have the perfect relationship. Instead, how can you think I am the one who can build a great relationship? And it's about finding somebody who's also interested in building versus putting all the pressure on the search to find the quote unquote perfect person. I, for some reason, when you just said I can make a great relationship with anybody or lots of people, I feel like I started tearing up. I feel like we don't really get that messaging like of this idea that like you're wonderful and you bring so much to the table and like the work is kind of like the common denominator here of like you being able. And of course, right? Like that does not mean that everybody is right for everybody. I'm sure there, you know, there are lots of different ways to figure out whether or not someone is going to be deserving of like a second, third date beyond for you and vice versa, right? It's like, it's not just up to you. Dating is a a two-way and in polyamorous relationships, three-way plus streets, right? It's like, it's very complex. But point being, I think it's a really beautiful sentiment to think about the fact that you have so much to offer And how can you figure out how to offer that with somebody else and the fact that it will require hard work throughout your relationship? Yeah, exactly. You know, I don't think everyone could get along with everyone else or you certainly would have much easier relationship with certain people. But the main point is I don't believe in soulmates. I don't feel there's one person out there for you. There's a lot of people who you could create a great relationship with. And it's more about shifting your mindset to saying, okay, which one of the many stories that I could write, which one do I want to write? And I'm going to choose the person where we have that experience and also understanding that hard work is a sign of a good relationship, not a bad one. Beautiful. Super into it. Yeah. I think like, you know, being with a partner for so long and like we recently got engaged and uh, like just this idea that there are kind of like peaks and valleys in relationships and everything other than your relationship can impact your relationship, your work, Mm -hmm. your stress, your family, your mental health. And it's so uh, interwoven and it's so complex. And so I really appreciate this, this really basically like normalizing the fact that like relationships take really hard work. And if you're told from the beginning that you're not supposed to get in healthy conflict or not supposed to disagree, then you're in a sense like 
setting yourself up or your relationship up for failure because every time you do that, you might see it as a, a, a failure in and of itself. Totally agree. A premium razor and a clitoral vibrator in one discrete product? What? Why hasn't that been thought of before? Well, Freya did. So you've had a long day, and all you want to do is take a flight to Pleasure Town, but ugh, you have to shave before a busy day tomorrow. The game plan? Get an amazing shave with Freya's premium razor filled with aloe and vitamin E shave soap. You can subscribe to Replaceable Blades for just $9.99 for a four-pack. And then, okay, ready for this? Remove the razor head, Hang it on the wall holder, click the power button, and use the handle as a clitoral vibrator. Freya just put the genius in G-Spot. Use code SEXEDWITHDB to get 20% off your Freya now. And for a limited time, you can enter to buy one Freya and get one for your bestie for free. Enter to win at highfreya.com slash sexheadwithdb now. Let me tell you about one of my favorite sex toy shops out there, Lion's Den. If you haven't heard about Lion's Den before, I can't wait to tell you all about them. Lion's Den first opened its retail facility in Columbus, Ohio in 1971. That's right, over 50 years ago. Since then, they have grown to more than 50 outlets throughout the U.S., building its reputation on high-quality products, low prices, and a knowledgeable sales staff. Their staff are also sexual wellness experts who can help you find the perfect toy. One of the many things I love about Lion's Den is that they advocate for a sex-positive perspective on intimacy and sexual well-being and strive to break the stereotypes and stigma surrounding sex by providing comprehensive educational resources to empower everyone to enjoy life to the fullest. They're simply amazing. Lucky for you, Lion's Den is giving my listeners an exclusive discount of 15% off your purchase in-store and online with code SEXEDWITHDB at lionsden.com. What are you waiting for? Get your amazing Lion's Den toy now. Want to win your very own Magic Wand Mini? If so, keep on listening. Ooh, it's kind of fun to have your attention. Okay, but let's get into it. Magic Wand, aka the best-selling wand vibrator of all time, has partnered with Sex Ed with DB to give some magic wands away to some lucky winners. How can you participate and enter to win? We want to hear your best magic wand story. Maybe something funny or silly comes to mind. Maybe the magic wand unlocked a world of pleasure for you like it did for me. Whatever it is, we want to hear your story. Go to sexedwithdb.com slash magic wand to learn more and see how you could win your very own magic wand mini. Let's talk about a lube I absolutely love, UberLube. UberLube makes sex better for everyone by reducing friction and increasing pleasure. Whether you're using it for solo sex, sex with a partner, or both, UberLube has a long-lasting performance that lets skin feel skin. It has simple body and condom-friendly ingredients, is scent and color-free, dissipates when no longer needed so there's no sticky residue, and is recommended by leading doctors. Use code SEXEDWITHDB for 15% off at uberlube.com. Let's talk about butt acne. Not what you expected me to say, huh? Well, we're here now, so let's get into it. I personally struggle with butt acne, and it really brings down my self-confidence sometimes. One thing that has really helped me is the butt and body scrub by Future Method. Future Method is science-backed and doctor-led, so I know I can trust them. Their quick and gentle exfoliating booty scrub cleanser is great to use on your body and between your butt cheeks. Its doctor-approved ingredients are infused with a refreshing and invigorating hit of citrus, clove, and cedar to soften, smooth, and tone your skin. Get yours now at futuremethod.com and use code SEXEDWITHDB for 15% off at checkout. All right. 
Hey everyone, I'm Dr. Jennifer Lincoln, board certified OBGYN, and you may know me from social media where I spend a lot of my time educating about everything reproductive health. This podcast is called Let's Talk About Down There, and that's what I'm doing. I am talking about down there with no shame, no stigma, a lot of fun, and a lot of education. And why? Because when we talk about these things, we educate and we empower ourselves. Call in, leave a question, and know that it's okay to have questions about your body, and we're going to answer them. What are some of the biggest mistakes that you see single people make when it comes to dating or trying to find a partner? And in your book, you talk about this concept of the three dating tendencies. So I wonder if you can get into that. Sure. Yeah. The three dating tendencies is a framework that I came up with from having coached a lot of people and spoken to a lot of friends and acquaintances about dating. And I found that even though people are unique, they often have similar challenges when it comes to dating. So this framework divides them up by their unrealistic expectations. That's what they all have in common, but different unrealistic expectations. So the first one is the romanticizer. And this is the one who has unrealistic expectations about relationships. And so they think it's all going to be puppies and unicorns and butterflies. And then in the beginning, they're actually very good at getting into relationships. But then once the relationship hits that inevitable rough spot, and this kind of goes back to my previous answer, um, they feel like, oh, this must be the wrong relationship for me. And so they're very skeptical. And so they, they often break up with someone instead of working through those hard moments. And then the second type is the maximizer. And this person has unrealistic expectations of their partner. And so they're really into the search. They feel like, oh, I want to research everyone who I can. And I want to go on as many dates as possible. And I wish I could create this person who's the, the looks of this person and the ambition of that person, the personality of this. And it's like, they really feel like, like there's a perfect person out there. Yeah. A Frankenstein date and feel like, oh, I just, I haven't found my perfect person yet. I have to keep looking as opposed to what we just talked about, finding somebody great and building with them. They feel like, no, 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 I have to do this really intense search to find this so-called perfect person. And then the third type is the hesitator. And this person has unrealistic expectations of themselves. And so this is the person who is saying, oh, I just can't date yet. You know, things are really busy at work. Let me wait till work calms down. Or I just can't date right now because I want to lose weight. I want to get a better job. I want to clean my apartment. I want to fix my relationship with my mom, whatever it is for them. It's like, first, this needs to happen. Then I can date as opposed to the idea that you'll never be a hundred percent ready for dating. And instead you can work on those things in parallel with dating. And actually dating is the only way that you can really figure out who do I want to be with. And it's the only way that you can get better at dating. Yeah. Do you feel like in for your clients, there is some overlap between like, for example, like a romanticizer and a maximizer? Yeah, I definitely see overlap. And when people fill out my quiz online, sometimes they'll get kind of like the maximum amount in both or a tied score in both of those. And so I definitely see that it's like they have the maximizer qualities of wanting to do this intense search or looking for the perfect person, but then they're also really influenced by their romanticizer qualities of, and I believe in a soulmate, and I believe in relationships that if they're right, they're easy. So those can absolutely overlap. Yeah. Another thing that I'm thinking about too, just when it comes to, this is like 
kind I don't know. I guess it's separate, but it just made me think about this idea that like what what about people who like maybe are trying their best but because they inhabit certain identities that are like not as quote unquote desirable or you know they're in a minority group how do we like talk about and think about like those kind of cultural scripts that we're receiving about like who we want to choose as a partner, like who the mainstream quote unquote, like people we want to match with are like things like that. Yeah. A big part of my book and a big part of my course that I teach really focuses on this idea of you think you know what you want, but you're wrong, Mm. which is, you know, a hot takey way of saying we often think we have the so-called type and that type might be who we were attracted to when we were in middle school and high school. And we just keep chasing, you know, the bad boy or the um, aloof girl or whatever it is. There's also, of course, cultural scripts that determine who we think is attractive or who we think is desirable. And so I really encourage people to take a step back and date like a scientist, which is my way of saying, really run some experiments. So maybe say, you know, I always swipe left on people who are under 5'8". Well, Height doesn't really matter. And most men in the United States are under six feet anyway. And so really, what are things that you can do to sort of say, I tend to have this behavior. I'm going to do something differently this time. Maybe I'll like the results. Maybe I won't. But at least I will have exposed myself to something different as opposed to someone who just keeps doing the same thing over and over again and expects to get different results. And so I really encourage people to look at who their so-called type is, try to go against type, and they so often are really pleased with the results. I'm into that. That's really, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, the height thing is really interesting. I feel like there is a lot of conversation around height. And I think that it's uh, dumb, frankly. I don't really understand. I think like there there are a lot of things tied to that of like, oh, well, if you're like a woman, you're like, oh, I don't want to like be taller than my guy in heels or whatever it is. And so it's like that really in the grand scheme of things doesn't matter or like to me at least. I know for some people it does, but just I feel like we need to look beyond these like because phys- physicality, right? Like it's, it's more about who the person is. And sure, if you want to be attracted to them or you want there to be like romance or sexuality or, you know, whatever, that those things are important. But as we get older, if your goal is to have a life partner who you can depend on and make a life with, and if you want a family, like the, their height being like two inches shorter than who you anticipated, uh, you know, being with is a very minimal trait. Yeah, I totally agree. And in terms of things that I push people on, some of the main ones are age and height. I think people have a lot of preconceived notions around, oh, well, if I date someone of this age, then they're going to want to get married really quickly and have kids and then they'll rush me. So I need to date someone younger or this person's too young. They'll be immature. And so there's a lot of misconceptions around age. And then, of course, I think with height, people set these filters and they're literally not seeing these people show up in their apps. Whereas if they met that person at a friend's house or at a bar, they would meet them for their personality, their charisma, how much chemistry they had together, all of those things. And so really just, I encourage people to not turn off the filters altogether, but to really broaden them and see if somebody might show up in your app who you wouldn't have seen otherwise, but you might really get along with. Totes my goats. 
moving on to social media, social media. So let's talk about like the way in which social media impacts the way in which we really typically, I would say, only see like a positive reflection of couples experiences, right? I think we everyone listening can relate like they know for sure that like one couple who like offline mm-hmm. is like fighting mm-hmm. a lot and causing a lot of scenes and then when it comes to like throwback thursday they're like we're perfect and like only show the perfect quote unquote sides of their relationship which can be damaging for for some people who don't really know how to discern between those messages and so i'm wondering if you could talk about that and talk about some tools frameworks in which to think about this more realistically. Yeah. So I think the general concept that many people know is that people are only sharing one slice of life on social media and people are rarely posting videos of them fighting or videos of somebody crying after the fallout from a bad fight. And if they are, it's probably for some weird prank or you know emotional manipulation, right? This just isn't Not generally normal. part of how people use social media. So Even though we know this intellectually, I think when you're single or when you're going through a breakup, it can be really hard not to compare and despair and not to look at these other people and be like, everyone else has found someone. I'm the last person who's alone. And so I think people do generally know this, but just a reminder that social media is really the highlight reels of people's lives and not necessarily a representation of it. I also, I can't remember where the study was, but I have seen a study that was like looking at people who broke up and you you know that through like their Facebook status changing, they actually were posting more pictures of their significant other in the months leading up to the breakup. Oh, wow. And they didn't know exactly why, but the hypothesis would be that you're overcompensating or that you're hoping for the best or that you feel self-conscious about the relationship. So you want other people to think things are going really well. And so it is a hard reminder, but I would just generally say like, you don't, you only post your own highlight reels and so are other people. And so really just not using it as a realistic reflection of what's going on in anyone's life. That is fascinating. And I, I, yeah, that conclusion that folks came to make sense of this idea of like, you're trying anything and everything to kind of maybe prove that like this is your person, you want to be in this relationship, and in reality, things are crumbling behind the scenes or things are more challenging. Um, But yeah, wow. Don't trust everything you see, basically. And like maybe it's a lesson too for the way in which you, listener, like post on social media. Um, Maybe consider like how you're contributing or not contributing to kind of these potentially like harmful or unrealistic scripts for other people. I just think it's good to be critical about that and think about that. Okay. So you being the director of relationship science at Hinge, right? Like talk to me maybe about how you see, if at all, expectations of monogamous relationships shifting and changing, you know, in our, in our current time, like, and, and if they are, and if folks are tending towards more open relationships or consensual non-monogamy, how can that be like more successful? Sure. Yeah. So in my three years at Hinge, the company's view on this has changed. So our tagline was and continues to be designed to be deleted, but that does have a bit of a monogamous slant to it if you think about it in terms of 
oh, well, I'll meet one person and then I'll delete the app as opposed to I'm in one relationship, but I'm dating other people. And so I might continue having the app to do that. And so Hinge really does pay attention to what people are putting in their profiles, what they request, what they want. And so what we were seeing over the last years is a lot of people were putting ENM in their profiles. So your audience probably knows it stands for ethical non-monogamy. And so, oh, you know, it was coming up and people are using this precious real estate on their app to say that this is what they're into and what they're looking for. And so after a lot of thoughtful research, we came up with a new feature where you can specifically say what type of relationship you're looking for and what your dating intentions are. And so you can say if you're looking for monogamy or non-monogamy, and then there's also a chance to say, you know, looking for something serious, looking for something casual, um, still figuring it out, things like that. And I love these features because they really do honor the experience that people are having, where if enough people are writing ENM, clearly there is a desire for that to exist on the app. So why not just make it easier for people? And then also it helps save time. Like if non-monogamy is not your thing and you see that on someone's profile, great. You don't need to engage with them. And if you are non-monogamous and you felt like, oh, there has to be this disclosure moment where I tell people this is what's going on, now you can just do it on your profile. And so it's really been nice to see that recent shift because it makes me feel like Hinge really is paying attention to what people want, what they're putting on their profiles, and just the changing nature of relationships, sexuality, et cetera, which obviously are becoming increasingly fluid. Yeah, I think it's it, totally. It's really just interesting, even in my own like friend circles, to hear about like how people who have been in monogamous relationships for a long time are like starting to flirt with the idea of like opening up their relationship or figuring out if they want to have a threesome or you know all of these ideas of of if you're feeling solid in your relationship and you're feeling like you've maybe talked about like this idea of like, okay, what do we do if jealousy comes up or what are our boundaries or what are the ways in which we are communicating about this? Um, it does really require a lot of communication and a lot of openness around the way in which you find that. And so I think it's awesome that Hinge has adapted and I hope all dating apps have, uh, to really fulfill this newer curiosity that people are having that people in queer communities have been experimenting with and engaging with and living in for a very long time. But I think like mostly straight or fluid folks are kind of now more than ever kind of entertaining this idea. Do you, do you have an idea as to like what is kind of causing that? Or do you think it's like just by the nature of like progress over time? Or do you have any theories around it? Yeah, I don't have specifically have any theories on that, but I would just say in general, fluidity really feels like where people are headed. So it's like, why do I need to say that I'm male or female? Why can't I adopt an identity of my own or be non-binary or something in between? What Whatever it is for you and really not feeling like you have to be defined by pre-existing terms. And so it makes sense that when you have that around gender identity and sexual orientation, it's also going to apply to relationships and that people are just like, I don't accept that the only option is one partner for life, monogamy, marriage, et cetera. And so it's really exciting to me that there's some disruption in this area and that people are really taking a step back and saying, for right now, what I'm looking for is this and here's why. And the good thing, or one of my favorite things about non-monogamy is that it seems like people really spend a lot of time talking about boundaries, talking about jealousy, talking about their wants and needs. And so 
by nature of the fact that it's not just a traditional monogamous relationship, it really engenders some great discussions and open communication. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. We have a couple more questions left. This has been so fascinating to hear you talk about this. So thank you again so much for being on. Uh, I would love to hear a love story, please. I want to hear about uh, a time that you helped someone find their life partner uh, through your coaching or through your other work. And uh, we don't have to name names, but would love all the gushy details because I am a sucker for a love story. Sure. Yeah. You know, over the years, there have been some really memorable stories. And with my book, even people I didn't work with one-on-one, I love when they share, because of your rule, go on the second date as a default. I did. And now I'm engaged. Or um, So one love story is that there's a woman who's in my class, which is called Propel. And she was in the first session. And in the class, there's these pods, these small groups that you meet with. And you talk a lot about what your tendencies are, what your bad habits are, what you're trying to break, and they help hold you accountable. And so she was talking a lot about going after the avoidant guy and how she felt like, you know, guys that were more secure were boring. And she was definitely into that anxious avoidant loop. And then during the class, she went on a date with someone and she was telling her her pod about it. And they were like, wow, he sounds great. Like, this is what you should be going for. And she just wasn't that into it. And they really encouraged her to give him another chance and keep dating him. And they would just remind her, like, this is the exact bad habit you're trying to break. And so that was maybe 18 months ago. And then they actually just got engaged last weekend. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. I imagine it's really... Uh, a unique experience having a group of people who maybe you don't really know super well, at least not before this class mm-hmm. that they're taking together and for them to be all be like, go for it. Like you could do this and just be, you know, behind her rather than like a group of friends, right? Like friends want to be good friends. So maybe yeah. friends would say like, oh, if you're not feeling it, then don't go for it. Totally. Like trust your gut or whatever. But I'm sure that's really validating having that happen in your class. Yeah, I've thought about that a lot. And I think your friends make better cheerleaders than coaches. Mm. So they're on your side and they're making you feel great and they're rooting for you. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they have the strategy or they know what's best. Whereas in this class, you know, I'm teaching every week. So people are getting a lot of information from me and they're applying those values and that strategy. But then kind of most importantly, they've just heard from the person like, this is what I struggle with. This is my tendency. And then they can really hold a mirror up to that person and say, hey, you're just repeating the same thing over and over again. Why don't you date like a scientist? Why don't you try this other thing? And so I really feel like this pod setup is different from your friends and is really a powerful way to help people change their behavior. Are you accepting new clients in Propel now? Yeah. So actually, I'm not sure when this episode will come out, but a kind of soon new, within the next couple of weeks. Yeah. A new um, cohort of Propel is starting at the end of February. And then we don't have official dates for the next one that we'll do, but likely one in the fall, but TBD. But yeah, we always are accepting people on the wait list and then we'll email you when it comes out. But it's just been really fun because a lot of people are like, well, class seems okay, but wouldn't it be better to do one-on-one coaching with you? And I'm like, One-on-one coaching is great, but I'm not the same as an accountability group of people who are listening to you every day and meeting with you. And, you know, there's kind of like the consistency there and the intensity of these pods that I think really can change behavior in a way where one-on-one coaching is helpful, but doesn't necessarily have that intensity of these like 
meetings very often and people holding up that mirror to you? Hell yeah. If I was single, I would for sure join your camp. Uh, I mean, I think of it as a camp. Really, it's a class or a course. But it's <laughs> yeah, kind of, like a boot camp. We can yeah, call it a camp. Boot camp. Yeah. It feels like a fun way to like – I mean, who – I don't know. Who doesn't like talking about like dating and kind of like what's going on with them and having a group of people like be to be able to bounce ideas and thoughts off of? It sounds like a really healthy way to kind of process the new tools and skills that they're learning. Totally. Yeah. Okay. Um, where can our followers find you and kind of join what you got going on and what, yeah. what are you working on? What's next for you? All right. So people can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Logan Yuri. I have a weekly newsletter called Logan's Love Letter that comes out on Thursdays and people can sign up for that. There's a link in my bio on Instagram or if you go to my website and people can take that quiz for the three dating tendencies at loganyuri.com slash quiz. In terms of what's next, you know, enjoying life at Hinge, enjoying my class. Um, a couple cool new media opportunities are coming my way that I can't talk about just yet. But Fun. in general, just staying, yeah, staying on top of what's going on in dating. And yeah, really having the pleasure to learn about Gen Z dating, post-pandemic dating, just lots of fun exploration there. Lovely. Well, that's fantastic. I can't wait to hear more about your insights and uh, finish your book. And it just is is so fantastic so far. So thank you so much, Logan, for being on. It's been a real pleasure and I've loved learning from you. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me and thanks for the great work that you do. Our creator, host, and executive producer is me, Danielle Bezalel, aka DB. Our co-producer and communications lead is Katherine Cohen. Our social media intern is Sarah Kelly. Our music theme is by Hook Sounds. Thank you so much to our featured guests, partners, and our listeners. Want to advertise with us? Email us at sexedwithdb at gmail.com. For more sex ed content, follow us on IG at sex ed with DB podcast and on TikTok at sex ed with DB. See you next time.